You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you guys? What's new? Uh, life is starting to change again for everybody. Uh, I don't know if you guys are on the same page, but uh, tomorrow, I'm actually recording this intro on the 11th. Tomorrow, I, according to the CDC, I am fully vaxxed. I am healthy. I can now go out and hang out with folks and do things like a human being again. Although I'm sure we're still going to be wearing masks and, and dealing with all that. And, and then there was something I read online where it's like you're allowed to hug people, but you can't kiss people. That puts a big damper in my day. <laughs> Let's just say this right now, because there's a list. I've got a list of people that I need to kiss right now. Now that I am vaxxed, I'm very excited about it. Uh, and as you can tell, uh, today uh, I'm happy because today I get to do one of my favorite types of episodes on our podcast. I get to dig in deep. I get to dig in deep and talk about music. I love music. Um, it's one of those uh, crafts that I wish I knew more about. Um, uh, like there, you, you hit that point when you're a kid where it's like you either pick up a guitar or you pick up a camera, right? Uh, and I went that way with a camera, but luckily I've been able to hang out with musicians, work me with musicians, whether it's doing music videos or live events or live broadcasts. Um, and I really love it. I love the, uh, creation process with those guys. I love how musicians find inspiration. I love how they stay inspired, um, it's really awesome stuff. And if you are friends with a musician, if you know someone that plays music, either professionally or at home, uh, they're always a lot of fun to be with because they're constantly looking at the world a little bit differently. Uh, they're obsessed with their craft most of the time. Um, and they, they're very meticulous. Uh, so perfect guests for our show, I will say that. Um, and today's episode has been a while in the making. I have been talking with our guest for at least five months about getting him on the show. Uh, I have been a huge fan of his sound, of his music, for years now. Um, Gina pointed it out to me. I didn't even realize this. We don't even bring it up on the episode, but uh, I actually saw him live, randomly, at an event back in Boston. Um, I totally forgot about that. Um, but anyway, I digress. Uh, he is part of the music that we love on the show. Uh, he is one of the contributors to the synth wave, to the chill, chill wave movement. Uh, he is a DJ that actually started doing house music. Um, and even let's go further back from that. And we'll talk about it on the show. He was a computer nerd. <laughs> so the perfect candidate for our show. Uh, so I'm very excited to have him on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't figured it out yet because you read the graphic and you've been listening to the music, I'm very happy to have Calm Trues on the show. Yes, it's a big get. Applause all the way around. Um, but uh, our buddy Seth Haley, who is AKA Calm Trues, is hanging out with us. Today we're going to talk about uh, writing music, making music, where he finds his inspiration. Uh, is he excited about coming out of COVID? Is he going on tour? Lots of great stuff. We're going to talk about his albums. And as always, what I'm going to do on the show, uh, and it takes a lot of work to do this, by the way, but we're going to have this be 
a fully immersive audio experience. Because I know that there's a lot of listeners out there that are like, hey, uh, who's Calm Truth? Right? I know. We've been introducing you guys to this whole synth wave move and this chill wave movement. Uh, you're going to love it. And we're going to play full tracks from him interspersed throughout this episode. So we'll give you that full immersive experience. So if you're looking for something great to listen to on a, on a road trip, this is the episode for you. If you want to dig even deeper. And by the way, you guys asked for it and we delivered. You guys wanted us to put together a Spotify playlist of all of our favorite uh, synthwave and chillwave tracks. I did we put together a collection of the artists that contribute to the show. So Knight Rider 87, Code Electro, uh, Krill Madness, the list goes on and on. All of the hits from the show, a lot of the intros and outros that you hear are on the Spotify playlist. Plus, a lot of the bands that we love are also on the Spotify playlist. A lot of these guys, look, the, the problem that we have with the show is that we have to get release uh, to play the music. And like Code Electro, uh, like uh, Knight Rider 87, um, like all those guys have done such a great and uh, wonderful job of giving us the releases to play their music. So when you hear this music on the show, uh, these guys have granted us permission to be able to do so. And thank you so much because without you guys, the show wouldn't have the tone that it does. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of other artists that either we haven't talked to yet or we haven't been able to get in touch with that we want to have on the show, but we can't play them yet. We're putting them on the Spotify playlist, okay? So it is the definitive list of uh, bands that I'm listening to right now, that a lot of the guys that are fans of the show, that work on the show are listening to right now. So go check it out. Where can you find it? Go to inloveoftheprocess.com and there will be a direct link on the main page. Scroll through the main page, admire our work, admire all the hard free work we do for you. And then find, find the playlist link, click on it, and uh, subscribe, I guess. Follow, or whatever the fuck it is that you do on Spotify. Um, and we'll try to update it throughout the course of the year because I'm constantly finding new tracks, constantly finding new stuff. I get kind of obsessed with it. Um, so there you go. Uh, you guys were begging for it. Uh, my buddy Lance was like, what the fuck was the song that was playing on the episode that you recently did? The guy that drew uh, the uh, Keanu Reeves comic book stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, that episode. Let me put together a playlist. <laughs> um, so anyways, besides that, I think you guys are going to really, if you haven't heard Comtruz's music before, it's pretty awesome. It reminds me, uh, it has a lot of that synthwave vibe to it, but he's got, obviously, he's got those house music roots because it has a very sort of dangerous feeling to it. Um, and he gets kind of experimental, which is really cool. <laughs> His albums feel like full concept pieces. Uh, he actually goes into why he calls it Calm Truths, which is fascinating. I did not know this. And we actually go into the meaning behind a lot of the albums, which are great. Um, but if you haven't heard his stuff yet, get ready because you're going to. But you can also find him on Spotify. Look up Calm Truths. That's C-O-M, Truths, like Tom Cruise, letter swapped. Um, 
and then check out all of his stuff. I'm a huge fan of his In Decay album, which is the 2012 album. We're gonna be playing a lot of music from that. Uh, he's got some great tracks on his initial release, which is Galactic Melt, uh, but Persuasion System, which came out in 2019, I back to forth, back to back listen to that album consistently. I almost picked it up on vinyl. I actually went, they reopened out here in Los Angeles, Amoeba Records. It was very depressing about a year ago, before COVID, I think it happened, where they actually shut down their old location. Incredibly depressing because it is a staple of Los Angeles. It is a huge music store for music fans. Um, and then turns out that they were just moving locations. I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if their landlord was giving them shit. I don't know. Uh, but they opened up a brand new spot. We went. And if you guys are, live out here in Los Angeles, you know for the past month they've been open. And for the past month, the lines to get in have been ridiculous. It, has, it isn't just for COVID. I mean, wrap around the fucking block. These are people going inside to buy physical media, to go buy CDs, to buy fucking vinyls, to buy Blu-rays, to buy posters. Uh, the store is so fucking cool. It just reminds me of being a kid again. It reminds me of running down the street to Newark Comics. Um, and it's, the new store is fan-fucking-tastic. It's huge. I don't get it. I was saying to Gina, we're standing in line, and they have like at least 60% of their real estate is for CDs. There's a lot of motherfuckers buying CDs. I didn't know that was still a fucking thing. Uh, but their vinyl selection is amazing. Um, and their Blu-ray selection is pretty cool. And they have laser discs. Uh, crazy shit. So if you are in Los Angeles, it is worth the wait. I think last weekend, uh, the lines are again getting shorter. So we were only in line for about 15 minutes, which isn't bad. Um, but the place was fucking... There's a lot of fucking people in there. It was one of my first outings where I'm like, oh shit, this is what it's like being around people again. Okay, all right, all right, get out of my way. Making my way over to the uh, soundtrack section. Uh, what did I buy? I picked up a bunch of great vinyls. I actually got my hands on the Prince of Darkness uh, release uh, from Death Waltz and uh, Mondo. You know, I don't know if we mentioned it on the show with those guys, but I definitely picked that up. Um, I'm on the lookout. I'm on the hunt. And I guess I could buy it online, but I like buying them in stores. I'm on the hunt for Mondo's release of the Terminator vinyl. Um, and by the way, uh, we did find a contest winner for our contest last week. Very excited. Let me see if I can stall for a second here and pull it up. Um, but uh, if you guys don't know, we did an episode with the dudes from Mondo and Death Wallets Records. Um, and they were gracious enough to give us a package to give away to a fan of the show. So we ran a contest and uh, on Instagram, all you really had to do was just write to me on Instagram with your email and say, I want uh, Mondo Vinyls. And um, I wish I had enough to give away to everybody, honestly, because a lot of you guys wrote to us um, and I just don't have enough. Honestly, they didn't even give me one for us. <laughs> so I'm curious because they're handpicking the vinyls for our winner. So I, I, I just sent him a thing and I told him like, you got to send me pictures. And I'll try to post the pictures of what they are, but I'm fucking interested to see what this lucky son of a bitch got for free from us. Uh, so big shout out to Douglas Wicker. Uh, he's a fan of the show. Uh, and he is the winner of three hand-picked vinyls from the dudes that run Mondo. How exciting is that? Um, so 
Thank you. Thank you, everybody that participated in the contest. Thank you, everybody, for showing your support of the show. Uh, it's really cool. The more support you give us, the more that you guys contribute in these things, uh, the more opportunities in the future that I'll be able to do contests for T-shirts and vinyls and all that kind of stuff. All the shit that I know you love. All the stuff that I love. Um, so, yeah. Let's cue some music. And uh, let's get into it. So get ready. Turn up those noise-canceling headphones. Strap yourselves in for the sonic experience that is my good buddy, Calm Trues, on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. on the show man thanks for having me um very excited i've been a fan of your music for years now um very uh like th the listeners of the show know what a a nerd for synth wave and chill wave that i am and uh, -huh. uh you've been on my playlists for i'd say over five six years so <laughs> awesome yeah man uh very excited to have you on where are you at right now are you uh, east coast Yes, I uh, currently reside in Orlando, Florida. Oh, no shit. Ah. I was in L.A. before, but it's been about four years, I think, now since I've been ah. over here. Nice, nice. Down to uh, Disney World? <laughs> yeah, where... yeah, I avoid that as much as possible, but <laughs> close enough to deal with the, uh, you know, the insanity that 
it is. Yeah. I just, before, right before COVID, I ended up moving out here with my girlfriend and uh, out here in Los Angeles. And it blows my mind how many people out here in California are huge fans, get season passes to go to the theme parks. I'm like, it's crazy. It's nuts, right? (laughs) Yeah. My, uh, my girlfriend's sister, she goes, I don't know. She goes a couple times a week. She's like a fanatic, you know, it's, it's, uh, what do you, what do you, what? what is there? What do you do a couple times a week? It's like, I don't know. I guess they really, uh, make use of their, uh, you know, the passes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I guess there's Epcot and there's like a, there's a beer drinking thing down there. Maybe that's it. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. weird, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, so how you doing, man? How, how you been through, uh, through COVID and all this stuff? You've been working. What's up? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, I finished up, uh, in decay two during, um, you know, the, uh, the, the first half of 2020, I believe that's kind of when I did that. And, you know, as far as writing new stuff, you know, the, here and there, um, I, you know, honestly, I've been enjoying the downtime and, uh, you know, thinking back now, uh, I should have utilized it a little bit better all that time, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm finally getting the itch to work now that things are slightly returning kind of to somewhat normality, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, Indicate 2, uh, which was your, uh, 2020 album was great, dude. I thought it was Thank really you. fantastic, man. Thank you very much. Well, let me ask you this. Let, let me get some of the, the more pedestrian questions out of the way as we meet each other for the first time on, on a show over microphones. Uh, why music? Why'd you choose music out of all the artistic creative outlets? Cause I know at one point you were an art director, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so why, why music? Interesting question. Um, you know, I years and years ago, I don't, I don't even know how long now at this point, but you know, before even before I, um, you know, uh, you know, worked in advertising, I um, had always been just kind of uh, a computer kid. You know, I was just always on the computer. You know, and then um, you know, lots of gaming and stuff when I was younger, and then you know, a little bit of hacking as a, you know, rest into that. (laughs) And then, um, you know, I kind of, uh, I really got into drum and bass music, you know, before that, you know, getting into electronic music, it was like, you know, the chemical brothers, early chemical brothers, prodigy, like that stuff really, you know, Mm kind of, you know, just totally grabbed me. And then I, uh, I kind of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I heard some drum and bass music one day on a, um, kind of I don't remember if digital cable used to have those music channels they they still might have it I don't I don't know <laughs> yeah like you're not talking like uh, fuse or MTV2 or something like that right like what channels are you talking no, about no just like uh you know they were I'm trying to think they were like channels that were part of the cable company that just played back to back music no no videos it was just you know music all oh. different genres right 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 okay I got gotcha. and um I happened to be at a cousin's house and we were just, you know, scrolling through uh, the electronic channels and this drum and bass song came on and blew my mind. I'd never heard anything like it before. And then, you know, that just kind of down the rabbit hole, like, you know, I picked up turntables and, you know, turntables, you know, after I started DJing, I wanted to, to write my own stuff to DJ. So I started writing drum and bass music. And then, you know, I did that for a while. I used to go down to Philly and play in little clubs. Um, mm mm-hmm. I wasn't even old enough to get in, but you know, my friends would sneak me in and I'd do a set and then, you know, drive all the way back to, you know, upstate New York. And then I, um, 
you know, I just kind of, uh, I got kind of bored of the production process as far as drum and bass is concerned. I, f- I felt like, uh, I felt like it wasn't, it just, you know, kind of lost its fun for me, I think, because it was so technical and I just kind of wanted to write without any kind of constraints, I suppose, uh, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In my mind, I felt like I was just constantly, you know, uh, kind, you know, trying to one up everybody, um, you know, so I kind of, that's when I really got into ambient stuff and, um, you know, I started writing that for a while and, uh, yeah, about that time I, um, yeah, it's kind of when I got into more doing more digital, you know, art and, um, you know, then advertising happened and, you know, that's the, you know, you know, around that time I got into the kind of, you know, I was into the ambient music, but I also kind of really started to enjoy the 80s because I had a friend and he, he always used to kind of push the 80s on me because he's a big 80s kid, you know, and uh, <laughs> I just didn't want anything to do with it. And I was like, I don't really care. And then, you know, as I started listening to the, to the you know, 80s music and like, you know, listening to the drums and I just became obsessed with drum machines. And I really, you know, honestly, I think why Comtrues happened was because I really, I think it was the drum machines that really, really kind of pulled me into this style of music. Thank you. 
I think it was the drum machines that really, really kind of pulled me into this style of music, you know? Yeah. They just, they were, I don't know, something about them just sounded, felt familiar. I mean, I grew up with that stuff in the background, you know, my parents and everything, but, you know, I never really paid attention. You know, I was in sports when I was really young and for years, and then, I, you know, once the computer stuff happened, I really kind of just, you know, forgot all that stuff and yeah. went straight to, you know, being a, a nerd, I suppose. Well, dude, it's, it's the same thing with me with directing and movie stuff. It, like, it's the shit that we grew up on in the background as kids, you know, and so... I really got into the synthwave move and all that stuff because of my love of John Carpenter, because of my love of uh, old uh, 80s horror movie stuff. And so you start to hear these synth lines, you start to hear that stuff, and you're like, why is this really cool to me? Oh, right, because I grew up on it. Yeah, that's why, man. Um, So with uh, it's funny you mentioned being like a gamer and a bit of a hacker and stuff. I remember when I was a kid, I did the same thing. We used to build our own PCs and then uh, set up our LAN parties and yeah, yeah. you know, play early versions of Alien vs Predator against each other. You know what I mean? Um, What are you using these days? Are you are you a PC kid still? Are you a a Mac guy? Does it make a difference to you? Um, You know, I've been Mac ever since advertising, but I, you know, I, I. you know, over the last couple of years, I've uh, I have a PC as well now that I, you know, I got a big GPU and X. I was doing some 3D modeling stuff for a while, and I'm still kind of dabbling here and there. Just kind of, you know, thinking about making new visuals and things like that for the live show, if you know if that ever returns. But mm-hmm. um, so I'm kind of both. You know, I using Windows again after so long was, you know, was an interesting. Um, <laughs> you know, changed a lot as far as, you know, like what I remember. Um, you know, I think my parents, they always had windows computers. And when I, you know, when I would go home, I would always, you know, help fix it. But as far as sitting down and using it, uh, you know, for, you know, longer than 15 minutes was pretty, you know, I was, I was pretty uh, amazed (laughs) everything. And yeah, I go back and forth, you know, it's, yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I mean, I, I ended up, jumping ship for Mac like a few years ago and I started to build like beefy PCs and I always kind of liked you know being a kid that grew up as an airplane mechanic and being a mechanic when I was younger I always kind of liked PCs because I felt like I could open the hood and change things out and definitely you know what I mean and and you can just beef these fucking things out to be as intense as you need them to be you know they're crazy now yeah Uh, but with music i always a lot of my composer pals would say like uh, music is difficult because a lot of the software that you guys use isn't on pcs a lot of that stuff was just mac only right yeah there's a lot it goes both ways there's there's a good amount that's on pc only as well and so Mm -hmm. you know having the pc now you know there's some you know, wacky plugins I'll use sometimes that you can only have, you know, uh, running on a PC. So I'll constantly go back and forth and, you know, just files everywhere. But, you know, for the most part, I write the music on the Mac. It's just, I don't I you know, I generally don't have any issues with stability, you know? And yeah. yeah. I'm, you know, more, um, just more acquainted with them these days, you know, from all my years in advertising, I think really, you know, that was just the industry standard. So yeah, of course, of course, no brainer at that point, you know? Well, so when it comes to writing an album for you, like, uh, I know everybody's got their, everybody's got the things that inspire them to get started. Everybody's got those routines that they do to keep them in sort of a creative mode. How does an album start for you? Is it, is it playing with the toys? Is it, is it just sitting down and practicing? Like, or do you see something? Do you watch something like how does it usually start? I'll usually come up with a concept. Um, 
you know, uh, something obviously will spark it. Sometimes I just kind of, uh, you know, it'll be watching something or reading something or, you know, sometimes I'll be just kind of, uh, I guess sometimes I get stuck in Wikipedia and I just, you know, start clicking through articles and I'm just reading stuff and I find some crazy article about something, you know, and that'll spark it or, you know, I'll work on some visual art and that'll spark it. Um, you know, I kind of, there's no real rhyme or reason for me. I just, I'd like to have a concept though. I think it, uh, you know, it makes it much easier Right. Uh, right. Need to focus, I, I suppose, like as opposed to, you know, you know, not having a concept, I think would be difficult to just kind of write, you know, just kind of, you know, with, with nothing kind of bringing it home.
Well, for I mean, all of the albums that you put out are basically concept albums, correct? Like it's all. Yeah. I, I I read somewhere that it's it's about a space traveler essentially. Yeah, it's about a, an android, the first android astronaut, and he gets sent to space, and you know, just kind of it's about all that that entails, and it's about you know him basically. It's kind of a love story, I suppose, but it's about him, you know, finding another civilization. You know, kind of falling for this, uh, you know, alien girl, and um, <laughs> it's basically about how the two civilizations are forcing them to, you know, kind of not allowing them to be together because, you know, you know, it's just they're, they're, the civilizations don't want to get along, and you know, it's kind of that's basically what it is. You know, up until I'd say, I think, um, the, yeah, I think. Uh, iteration was probably the end of that story mm-hmm. and then you know everything you know um everything after that has kind of been separate stories on their own like indicate 2 is kind of part of that realm a lot of that some of that music is you know 10 years 11 years old on that record so oh no kidding well that kind of existed in that realm but you know i think the story we started telling people about it you know at one point because it just kind of helped a little bit, but I always wanted to leave it open-ended. Like, you know, the music is definitely completely open to interpretation. That's why I wrote instrumental music. I think a lot of that comes from working in advertising and just like, I definitely could focus better, obviously with instrumental music as opposed to stuff with, you know, lyrics. So I I think I always wanted to leave it open-ended. Like, you know, this is kind of what I was thinking about when I wrote it, but you can feel and think about what you want to, you know, on your own. Well, dude, it totally works because I, I had no, I'll be 100% honest with you. I just found that out today. <laughs> I had no connection to any of it. And I would, uh, what I like about your music is it sort of takes me, it's a it's a really good lubrication for imagination. You know what I mean? So it ends up taking me deep into whatever I'm working on. And I'm usually listening to it while I'm working or while I'm writing or while I'm editing. Um, and, uh, I just love the places that you, that you take us. And it has this sort of rhythmic, almost trance-like quality. Um, and then there's, you can tell that you used to be drum and bass stuff because then there's like this real sense of urgency in the percussion and everything. So it's, um, it's wonderful. And I, I think it's, I, I just found it to be a treat to find out that, that, <laughs> that there was this narrative and that the, the, the character's name was, uh, calm truths. I thought that was really great. And, and, you know, hearing you talk about it now, I feel like it's like a avatar meets an Isaac Asimov novel. You know what I mean? It's uh, pretty cool stuff, dude. Pretty, Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, from one nerd to another, I think it's yeah. really cool. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, so then you, you dig around, you find something that inspires you like a story or, or something. And then do you, just play with at this point after this many albums you must know what sound you like to start with and where you like to play but is it is it about the toys for you and and a second question are you doing most of this stuff in like ableton you doing most of the stuff in the computer or using like a lot of hardware stuff to make this um you know it's all recorded in the computer but i'm currently as i sit here speaking to you now surrounded by equipment <laughs> just <laughs> hey it's chaos in this room at the moment i constantly am moving stuff and changing stuff. i really haven't found the right kind of setup for me everything is just kind of constantly evolving but um you know but i also i use a healthy amount of of uh you know um virtual instruments as well i you know there's some things i like to use the virtual stuff 
you know, and then there's some things I don't, um, but uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, yeah. I, I, and I think as far as like how it starts with the toys and yeah, I don't mean, sometimes I'll turn stuff on and just hit record and, you know, find something that way. I'll try to find a, you know, a mood of some sort. And then, um, other times I will just sit in front of the computer instead of a, you know, uh, and then, you know, write stuff and send it to the instruments and do it that way. And then, you know, I got Euro rack modules and all that stuff. So sometimes I'll just, you know, go crazy with that stuff. And yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't do everything the same. You know, I have my, my template kind of file, you know, that I open up and Mm -hmm. it's got certain effects in it, certain levels of things I like. And, you know, but for the most part, yeah, I don't really start, you know, in, in the same way every time I kind of, I think that's what keeps it uh, interesting to me after all this time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause at the end of the day, as a creative, you're just battling procrastination, right? You're, you're yeah. trying to get over that hump and get that fire started where you, you just become addicted and you can't step away from the work. Right. Yeah. 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 I, like it's, it's difficult, man. I, I often find myself doing that where I'll be involved with a project and I'll work my ass off and I'll be proud of it and then release it. And then you just sort of come down and you go through the depression afterwards where you're like, okay, now what do I do with my life? And then, yeah. you know, you have to get yourself over that hurdle. And I've heard a lot of different people do a lot of different things. And sometimes uh, people need the toys and the, the stuff to just fuck around with and doodle with and be like, oh, okay, this is really great. And other times people need to just go have life experiences and go disappear on vacations and do shit. Yeah. Uh, but you know, being, <laughs> being locked away for over two years, I think we're all beyond the point of like needing that. I think it's time Definitely. to get to work. Right. Yeah. And I, I'd say, I think in between records now for me is, you know, I, I, I was definitely, um, you know, there was definitely, uh, I was, I worked a lot faster when this first, you know, when I first started this project and, you know, just kind of all happened. And, and definitely I think, um, between every record now, the gap gets bigger of like, all right, now what do I do? You know, like, it's like, I'm going to constantly, you know, because, you know, there's artists that they do this and then, you know, they'll write a record and then they'll write the next record and the next record is just like, well, where, where did that come from? You know, like, this doesn't sound, how did you do that? Where did, you know? Right, right. I kind of still want to be who I, I like the sound that I make. I like that sound. I just, I can't write it over and over again. So I think it, that's why it takes me so long to really, you know, figure it out, you know, like, you know, what to do next without being too, you know, um, to to evolve i think you know yeah because that's that's a tough balance right because you need to have the sound that you sort of play in and the in the world that you live in because then people fall in love with that but then you don't want to become pigeonholed to that you don't want to become trapped within that so like the the evolution process is i i think i read somewhere it's like two steps forward one step back two steps forward one step back yeah. you know i think that's it yeah i definitely struggle with that you know um you know, we're, we're kind of gearing up or I'm gearing up the, you know, the labels getting, getting, you know, kind of firing off emails or so anything new, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of starting the next record and, you know, we're talking about maybe featuring some vocals on it and stuff. And then I, I just already know that I'll get backlash from the, from the, you know, the instrumental heads and like, so I, you know, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it. And I'm, you know, it's just all this stuff to kind of, I don't know, keep some sort of, yeah. relevance i suppose you know it, it's just crazy i think this you know 2020 has has was really difficult for music i think uh you know i think putting out a compilation was was an amazing idea but there was you know a lot of records that came out you know end of 2019 
early 2020 that, you know, I had tickets to go to shows with my girl and like, you know, that all got canceled. So like I couldn't imagine being a major artist and then releasing a record earlier last year and then not being able to tour to, you know, support the record. You know, I think that's, you know, it's like the Tame, Tame Apollo's record that came out, like they didn't get to tour really on, on much of it. So yeah. I don't yeah. know, people just forget about that stuff. So I thought, you know, well, we'll release this, you know, Indicate 2 at the end of the year as a compilation. It's not really, you know, if I tour on the record, great. If I don't, it doesn't matter. It's not really, to me, it's, you know, an uncohesive piece of music. It's just kind of from different eras. And it's basically closing up the, you know, the vault for me to, you know, if, if these tunes don't come out this way, they're never going to come out. So it's kind of just, for me, it's a kind of a cleansing thing to get that stuff, you yeah. know, out into the world. Yeah, just living on my hard drive. when I used to do a lot of photography and stuff, I would have like a backlog of images and a backlog of stuff that I'm, they, they really didn't have a place. And, yeah. and it wasn't until 
I would just be going through my stuff and, and like cleaning things out going, I got to fucking release this shit. <laughs> and if I get it out, then it's out of my life and then it exists somewhere else. So just get yeah. it out of here. You know, I get, I totally get that dude. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and you know, your point about the touring thing, it was very difficult. We, um, my girlfriend and I, and she does a lot of music videos and artist branding stuff. And mm -hmm. she had done work for uh, B Miller, who is a big pop star. And I had her on the show. We talked a little bit about it and she had done the same thing where she had just released an album and then she wasn't able to tour. And so I think a lot of people don't realize, especially in the modern music world where, you know, you're not selling CDs, you're not really selling physical media unless you're, you know, vinyl sales are still being are happening. But yeah, I mean, that's how people make the money now is the vinyl. I mean, at least artists like we, you know, if you're not touring, that's like where, you know, cause people are still buying that, but uh, yeah. Yeah. But, the, but most artists made their, their cash on merchant tours, Definitely, you know? And so to release an album must've sucked because then you're like, okay, I'm putting out all this new music, which I would then tour to support this new music, but now it's out for a full year and everybody's ingested this music and yeah. I can't tour to support this after this. So I have to put out another album at this exactly. point to do it. You know, you know you're know, you kind of like, and you never really get to feel the, the general public's real reception of it either. It's kind of just lives in limbo as this, you know, well, it's out and I guess everybody liked it, I think, you know, <laughs> and I mean, you know, there'll be people that'll want to hear it and yeah. want to play it, but I just think, uh, you know, doing a giant tour on a record that's been out for, you know, over a year would be really, that would be tricky yeah. to, uh, you know, but then again, we've all kind of been stuck at home. So I feel like we'd go anywhere at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't wait to go see a show. I, I can't wait to go to the fucking movies. I mean, you know, yeah. like it's seriously, I can't wait to get out of my house, you know? I know. I know. Uh, so, uh, you've done a lot of touring over the years, like, mm -hmm. uh, do you love it? Like, what do you like about it? Is it the connection to the fans? Like, um, I like, you know, traveling to different places definitely is, is huge. Yeah. I mean, the fans, it's amazing to meet people and, and, and hear as many stories as you can hear, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it was exciting in the beginning. And as the years have gone on, it's a little bit more like work, you know, it's the work part of it. Definitely. Um, mm -hmm. it's taxing. It takes it out of you. It's, it's hard to maintain a, a normal life. You know, as a, I guess, uh, someone my age doing it, it's, it's, it's tricky. You really got to be, uh, you know, pretty hard on yourself and focused. And sometimes it's just hard to do that on the road. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I mean, I really, I mean, I do enjoy it. I've, I've, I was talking to my mom the other day, you know, just about, we were just like, you know, is, is this, you know, touring coming back? Have you heard anything? Like what's, you know, <laughs> and, um, I kind of was like, well, I really, you know, I haven't really asked because I don't, you know, I if you know i'm enjoy i'm really enjoying the break i'm getting healthy like you know, <laughs> you know I'm, I'm enjoying this right now but you know i it, i do have that travel itch to uh yeah go out there and play music for people in, in in strange places again and you know i i uh you know i was kind of contemplating you know maybe just hanging the road head up and uh you know maybe going back to advertising a little but I, you know i don't know it's kind of up in the air i'm just i, I do miss graphic design i think um doing graphic design Mm -hmm. all day as a nine to five really um that you know galactic melt was all um i wrote it all when i was working in advertising i think that's some of my best work and i, I really think it, it for me it feels like it was the best because i was at work all day you know and i, I was working on visual <laughs> stuff and then i would come home and i really feel like the music would just write itself you know it was so bottled up you know ready to go and then now that i'm my own boss and i you know i just kind of 
you know, it's really hard to kind of focus yourself sometimes, you know? Well, it is, man. I mean, I know the listeners of the show all feel that way because we're all freelancers. You know, yeah. we all don't have to punch in our clock somewhere. We don't have a, unless you're doing a gig and you have deadlines, you don't really have a boss breathing down your neck. So you, you really have to sort of create your own, your own routine. All right, it is that time. We got to take a break and do some ad reads, some sponsor reads. And I've been trying to mix up my sponsor reads. You know, I've been getting shit from folks. Uh, lately, your sponsor reads have, have kind of felt like the same. Okay, how about I do some more work for free for you? <laughs> uh, but first up, we are going to get to our good friends over at Puget Systems. Uh, you, I don't know if where this is going to lay out in the episode, but you've either heard me and Seth talk about computers already, or you will hear us talk about computers and PCs and how we both come from the world of gaming and building your own PCs, maybe a little bit of hacking, maybe a little downloading things. You know what I'm saying? Um, so as a kid, I grew up loving PCs. Then there hit a point where I got into the creative industry and everybody went, well, you gotta have a Mac. Mac is the shit. Macs don't crash. Macs are the best. Blah, blah, blah. And so for a while, I had to make that jump, which was really frustrating to me because I always felt like they were very uh, restrictive. Not allowed to go in that folder structure. Can't really find hidden folder structures. You gotta know this magic language of keyboard shortcuts. And then all of their support threads and support groups were always run by like very arrogant nerds where it's just like, well, of course. You know what I mean? You're like, fuck off. Um, and so I missed the world of PCs. Luckily for me, Mac turned their back on us. So they hit that point in time where they were like, hey, guess what? Final Cut Pro's gone. And hey, guess what? It's not gonna open its old projects. So now you gotta jump ship. Adobe stepped up. They put together the creative suite, which we now know and everybody's a part of. Everybody subscribes to the Adobe products. Um, but it was at that point that I jumped ship and I went, Adobe can run on PCs, right? What's the big deal? Jump ship to PCs, back to my home place. And then was like, am I going to build PCs? What am I going to do? I was at that time running a post-production company and I'm like, I don't want to be tech support for everybody. I got to find a company that builds quality PCs that has tech support that, that can at least stand up to Apple Care or the, the comfort of Apple Care. Um, and I did the hard work. I found this company, Puget Systems. Um, they're a small company on the Upper West Coast, family run, really great dudes, and they build custom PCs for the software that you're gonna use. Um, so if you head on over to Puget Systems, you could choose a PC uh, based upon the software you're gonna use, and they have a bunch of um, packages. So they have base packages like the the Genesis, I use a bunch of Genesis's actually, um, but they have really great stuff. Extreme performance, high core count. They have uh, jack of all trades machines, all sorts of really great places to start, but then they love to customize these units. They love to hear from their clients. So if you talk to them, they will figure out how to make, get you the most for your budget and your buck. 
Now, the other great thing about Puget Systems is that they're huge on support and articles and sharing what they know, sharing their benchmark tests. So if you're someone that is just trying to build your own PC, I wish I had someone like this when I was a kid building my stuff because I don't know if you know, when you go and you buy all these parts online, you don't know if they're all gonna work together. The theory is they're gonna work together, but as you're starting to strap these things on the motherboard and it's like, why is, why is the fucking RAM not registering? And like, what the fuck's going on? Um, these guys share everything that they know. Uh, and they have a bunch of really great articles. So if you head on over to PugetSystems.com, check them out. I'm just looking through right here. Uh, Adobe Premiere, 11th Gen Intel Core versus the AMD 5000 series. They talk about that. Uh, oh my God, they talk about that with every program. Lightroom, Photoshop. So they will walk you through what this new hardware does, how it benefits the software. I know that there's a lot of musicians out there that are listening, a lot of music producers that are listening to the show today. Check out Puget Systems. If you haven't heard of them yet, head on over to PugetSystems.com. I can't say enough great things about them. They don't just sponsor the show. They support my work. They've supported all of my films. Uh, and I've cut everything that I've done over the past seven years, six, seven years on PCs. And they've been Puget System PCs. So, whole new world. You can run whatever the fuck you want these days and still be considered a professional. Also, supporting the show as always are our good friends over at Quasar Science. They make the best LED units, the most reliable LED units on the marketplace right now. And maybe you are a filmmaker and you're looking um, for lights for your kit to be able to light your music videos. Um, but... You might just be a musician, right? And you wanna have a bunch of like really cool LED units that are all MIDI controlled and chained together. Check out Quasar Science. The reason why these ones are better than the ones that you buy on eBay from China, if you're a musician, is that if you have someone videotaping your show, these are correctly balanced for those cameras. So your footage will look better. I'm surprised no one's ever talked about that. Hold on. There's nothing better than hearing Mike unprepared. Jesus Christ. I'm trying to type in. There we go. Quasar Science. Trying to type in a URL on the internet. Um, but yeah, think about it. If you're going to buy light units anyways, right? To light up your booth, to light up your background. Uh, why don't you get the light units that look good on camera? Hmm? Just because you can get more cheaper online from eBay, uh, the quality of light on them sucks. So like if, if someone is going to hire me to come in and shoot their live performance and they're like, yeah, usually my show has a bunch of LEDs that are in the background. I'm like, yeah, what kind of LEDs are you using? Yeah, we're going to swap all those out. More often than not, I'm swapping those out with Quasar units. Quasar Science. Go to QuasarScience.com. They have like a really good website going right now where they show examples of their lights being used and how they're used on set. I'm actually staring at this one video where someone has mounted a couple tubes on a dolly and they're rotating the dolly over an actress's face and how the light changes on her face. Really fascinating stuff. Let's see here. I'm reading about stuff. Creating art with fewer limitations. Quasar was started in 2012 in a dingy gold room 
on one of the oldest studio lots in Los Angeles. Ooh, very romantic. Uh, by a group of IOTC local 728 studio electrician lighting technicians with over a hundred years combined experience in lighting movie sets. We decided once and for all that cable was heavy and we endeavored to lift less of it. <laughs> I love companies that are made by crew guys. It's the best. So go check out all the cool stuff. Head on over to quasarscience.com. One of the things I like about Cometries' music is that it's very relaxing to me. It's one of those things that I can just put on to settle my nerves, to just put me in a very comfortable state, get you into that meditative state, right? Get you into a place where you can get some good sleep. And you know what else helps me get good sleep? My kick-ass mattress from Custom Comfort Mattresses out here in Los Angeles. I, Gina and I have an amazing bed setup um, that we bought, by the way, before these guys became sponsors, FYI. Um, we have this really great bed setup where we're actually sleeping on latex and it's reversible mattresses. So we can flip the mattress on both sides, which means that this thing's gonna last me for at least 12 years. Can you imagine that? Something that lasts a long time. Um, and I always thought when I was younger that firm mattresses were my thing. I don't know why I felt that way. It's probably because my parents were just buying deals on mattresses. There's four kids in the family and they're like, just get a bunch of fucking mattresses in here and have them sleep on it. And for years, I always thought like, I need it firm. I need it tiff. I need it. I need to be able to, to feel my back on it. Um, and then recently when we... Uh, finally decided that the piece of shit mattress that I'm laying on that is making my leg fall asleep and my arm fall asleep every night uh, wasn't the right fit for me. Uh, we, Gina and I, went on the hunt to find a new mattress. And I know you guys know what we're saying here when I say that it's a nightmare. Buying a mattress is a fucking nightmare. It's, it's literally like trying to go buy a used car. You end up meeting the skeeziest, sketchiest people in these places that are always going out of business why is there always a going out of business sign outside of a mattress store? And then these places move consistently. If you're on the East Coast, you know what I'm talking about. There's a mattress place in this old abandoned building and now there isn't one. And now it's back a year later and now they're going out of business again, right? And you go in there and all the mattresses just feel gross. You gotta lay on them, you gotta test them out. And then you lay on them and you're like, what is the difference? The first one and the second one, you're like, I don't, I don't know what the fucking difference between these were. What I loved about Custom Comfort is that when I went into their showroom, they weren't trying to sell me a mattress. They were actually having me just figure out what my body needed. I, we went back and forth in that showroom a few times just because we needed to reset, right? You ever think about that? How many times when you go buy a couch and you sit on different pieces of furniture? After the, after the first three couches, you're like, I don't fucking know. Is there a difference between that one and this one? And unless there's a massive difference, unless there's like, well, there's a cushion in this one and there's rocks, but <laughs> you can't really tell, right? With custom comfort, we hung out in their showroom. They walked us through each and every mattress, how they make their mattresses. And here's what I really liked about these guys. They hand make everything with natural products. I never really thought about 
How many petroleum products I've been sleeping on for half my life? How many of these really shitty foam mattresses that are leaking chemicals into, my, into the air, into my body, into my asthma? I never thought about that shit. And then you're sort of looking at a company like this that builds mattresses the way they used to be built. Hand built. Amazing springs. And when they do latex, they're actually pulling it from sap from trees and creating it naturally. It's pretty awesome stuff. And so we went into this shop, I got fitted. Turns out that I need a softer mattress. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older and crankier. And I needed this softer mattress and we, we picked out a couple and we were able to custom build our bases and then had a topper on top of those two bases and then Gina and I have two different units that we're sleeping on that are, that are adjustable units, which are really cool. Um, and then uh, the best part about it was is that they sent us home with them to sleep on for about 100 days. And if it didn't work for us, which it didn't on my first try, they went and restuffed the mattresses. They went and they changed the mattresses out. Can you imagine that? You're not locked in. There isn't some guy like trying to make a deal like, okay, give me that cash. And the next thing you know, that place is gone. It's out of business. <laughs> it really changed the way I think about buying mattresses and it's helped with my insomnia. I'm telling you, I did a whole episode on this. If you guys haven't heard it yet, go back and listen on how this has changed the way I sleep. I actually get full night's sleep now, really well, like rested sleep. Uh, and it changes the way I'm thinking. It changes the way I do my creativity and my art. Um, if you're in Los Angeles and if you're going to look for new mattresses, I know we're all buying new stuff right now. Um, I highly suggest you just head on over to the Custom Comfort mattress showrooms um, and just lay on a mattress and have your mind blown. Go there and go to one of the cheap fucking places. Go there and go to one of the places that they make commercials for on national television like the purple mattress place. Anytime you see an ad on national TV, FYI, and they're spending millions of dollars to do commercials, you know the product sucks. Because if, if it didn't suck, they wouldn't need to tell you about it. All your pals would be telling you about it. I'd be telling you about it. So do yourself a favor. Check out those places, see what they sell, and then go to Custom Comfort and have your fucking mind blown. Check out customcomfortmattress.com. All right, that's it. My long reads are over. Let's get back into it with Seth. For me, in the beginning, it was anxiety that would keep me on routine. It was just like, what the fuck am I doing to earn the fact that I'm not yeah. that I'm not sliding under a car to like change its oil? Like, what am I? Yeah. What am I doing? And and that lasted for me for quite some time, you know, 10 years. And then on like, you know, year 11, you're like, I don't have to, I don't have to stress out about this anymore, but then how do I stay motivated? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been feeling that way, like uh, definitely that same exact way. I think um, I'm really hard on myself if I don't do anything, you know, during the day, if I don't sit down at the computer and, and create something, whether it be something visual or, you know, just a little melody, whatever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a full song. If I just... If I don't even get on the computer, there was stretches of last year where I just didn't do anything. You know, I would just, I got really got into cooking and I was cooking a lot, you know, so I was mm -hmm. always in the kitchen experimenting. So, you know, I would really start to feel bad about that. But, it, you know, I was also like, well, I mean, I'm not really 
I know they say that sometimes you, should, you if you, sometimes you got to force it out, and it eventually, and that just helps break up the log jam. But I don't know. I, I don't. I don't ever like what I write when I feel very forced to do it. So I kind of just I've always waited for it to come, and it always does. Eventually, it's just you know, it's a, it's a strange process to kind of. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think people. I think people expect you to always be creating or super creative, but sometimes it's just not there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, completely. I find that that there are all sorts of different things that'll trigger me. So I might, with movie stuff, I may see something. I may watch something and go, that motherfucker. (laughs) You know what I mean? And just go like, man, I could have done that. You know? And so then that usually gets me up. But I, I find that that kind of motivation is very short lived for me where I'm like, yeah. kind of doing it to catch up and then it's, it's the wrong reasons exactly you know I, I feel that when I hang out with other creatives like if I just get out of my shit and I go out mm-hmm. and I hang out with people I'm yeah. really inspired by that stuff and I, I think the COVID's been really tough all the way around for everybody because fuck Zoom calls you know what I mean yeah. like <laughs> like I wish you and I were just hanging out in the same space and, and yeah. talking face to face instead of this shit you know so like um, you know, I, I guess I would say to you, like, don't get too depressed. Cause I, I don't want you to stop making music. Cause I love yeah, your, no, I love your I, fucking you music. Know, yeah. It's just finding that, you know, like <laughs> yeah. yesterday, uh, or maybe it was the day before, I don't know, whatever, Tuesday maybe. Um, but, uh, no, I was just, I, I, I sat down to, you know, I was at lunch and I was going to watch a documentary. It's, uh, it was called the high frontier mm-hmm. and I literally started it and I was probably about. I don't know, 45 seconds into it. And this kind of 3d spaceship was flying through and there was some music and I was like, well, I got right up. I was like, I made me super inspired to like, you know, make some ambient piece. And I did, I spent like five hours just working on this wacky melody kind of thing. And, you know, I like it and I'll, maybe I'll use it, but you know, and then you're right though, for me, sometimes that's short lived. Like, you know, I sat down the next day and tried to find that inspiration and I was like, what am I doing? You know, like, is this going to, am I going to use this for anything? Like, but it's still at the same time, it's all good to create. You know? Yeah. 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 No, I do. I feel the same way where I'll get up and I'm like, fuck it. I, I make lists and I'm like, I'm going to bang these things out. I'm going to do all these yeah. things. And then it just doesn't have the same steam as, a, yeah. as to when you're like truly inspired and you start to find that thing that's like, ah, and it's usually when you're tackling, at least for me, it's when I'm tackling avenues that I've never hit on before. Like I personally right now, I just, I'm prepping to do a film. And so I started to read these books and I'm reading these film prep books that start to talk about how to actually break down screenplays the correct way as a director. And I stumbled into this thing that I had no idea about. And suddenly I couldn't stop reading. Suddenly I can't stop taking notes. And it's like two weeks later and I'm deep, deep in this thing going, this is my life right now. This is what's going on. And it was just from picking up like the strangest place just picking up yeah. this book and reading it you know i think i think books lately for me have been a, a big inspiration you know films are always there but you know we're kind of trickling stuff is trickling out in that department you know yeah and, uh, yeah yeah, yeah. So, you know i'm step but some you know some amazing stuff has come out in in you know the the past few months honestly that I'm excited about that I find inspiring, but I definitely went through a big phase uh, late last year of just like books were kind of, I just stocked up, you know, I probably, my Kindle is overloaded with books to read and I was ordering stuff and I just got, you know, I'm like backlogged for a year at least of reading. So, but you know, I, I definitely think I didn't draw much inspiration from that early on in, in Com Trues, you know, I mean, 
you know, I, I read comic books and stuff growing up. I wasn't a big reader. It wasn't something that interests me until like much later in life. Now I, you know, I love it. Yeah, me too, man. I was a comic book kid and I hate, I hated reading. <laughs> I hated yeah. reading growing up and it always just felt like fucking homework and you're just yeah. like, God damn it. Exactly. You know, um, but the, you know, I felt the same way about music and it, it was early last year that, uh, cause I used to work at music stores and I wanted to be a radio DJ. So I was in that shit for a while. And then I just fell out of love with it. And I think a lot of it had to do with like the algorithms and Spotify and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, you're not going to the stores anymore. And, um, you know, my girlfriend bought me, a, uh, my first fucking record player and I can't believe I've never had one. She bought me one and, and suddenly I'm like going back to record stores and I'm buying fucking vinyl again. And now I'm like, man, yeah, this is what I really like about this. And this is what I like about these artists. And, um, and there's something really nice about that because I, I'm able to break a lot of the, the scenes that I used to like as a kid. Like I was a metal kid for a while and I felt like the only thing I could listen to was metal. And if I listened to like Neil Diamond and then I was a pussy. So once you like vinyl to me is like this open world thing where I'm picking up all sorts of different genres at this point, movie scores and everything else. You know, and it it just feels so liberating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go through, you know, discogs and, and just start, I buy, I buy a lot of library music for doing my, my little uh, kind of computer cast, little uh, kind of mixes and stuff. But, you know, kind of, that, that stuff always inspires me. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like going to the record store still. I mean, we have a decent one here and, you know, I, I miss my days in Brooklyn where there was just so many different stores. I would just go out, you know. Yeah like an early Friday and just hit a bunch of record stores and buy stuff kind of just based on the cover that I didn't know anything about, you know, just to be like, well, this looks cool. You know, <laughs> more often than not, I found some amazing music, but you know, I, we, I think we tried to go to the record store. I have a gift certificate that I, um, I got for my birthday, like, uh, geez, 2000, maybe, no, yeah, maybe last year. Yeah. Maybe 2019, but we, you know, we tried to go to the record store and, you know, with COVID and all that, it was like, you know, the line was huge. There were like a certain amount of people in and that's all fine. But, you know, we were like, all right, we'll come back a different day, you know. So <laughs> I had that itch to buy some. I ordered a record recently offline, actually. It shouldn't be here at any moment. But, yeah, I still, you know, I am still much, uh, very much a music purchaser. I Whether it be digital, vinyl, I like supporting artists, you know. And you're right, the, the whole Spotify and all the algorithms and all that stuff really, you know. Yeah, I have qualms, but you know, what are you going to do? You got to kind of adapt, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you got to adapt. You got to go through that process. It, it, and believe me, I found acts uh, just through the suggestions that I never would listen to. And there's a bunch of really great musicians that I found because of that. But then, yeah. but you know, like out here, there's a lot in Los Angeles. There's a lot of really great record stores, and that, a lot of them are opening up right now. And and fucking Amoeba just opened up a brand new th- place, and yeah. uh, the line for that place oh. is like an hour and forty minutes right now. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. but it, it's fun, dude. It's like there's just that sense of connection when I end up going into a store, and even if you're just talking to the guy that works behind the counter, and yeah, they always know crazy stuff that you don't, you know, like they're like, oh, you check out, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah the dude. whole experience and just everything's tangible. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like we're all stuck with our AirPods and our, our phones and the music feels so intangible at that point. I mean, you're, you're, whatever it's making you feel is about the best you're going to get, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, physically buying and 
you know, buying a record or a CD, whatever, a cassette tape, and, you know, putting it in at the whatever device, whatever medium, you know, you're, you're playing there, you know, it's got, I don't know, it's just, a, that's total, it's mind-blowing, you know? <laughs> so lucky to have that as a species, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and as a kid, you know, like there's a whole generation that really just doesn't even know it. And then it's not that the old ways are better, because I think there's a lot of really great stuff that's happening. It's just... As, as a species, we just have this tendency to like just go, well, that was the way my parents did it, so fuck them. I'm going to do this yeah. completely differently. And you're like, well, yeah, you know, we were kind of assholes, but we knew a couple things here that you might want to take into your, all right, all right. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, man. Um, so back to your stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you considering, when you write this stuff, are you just stream of consciousness stream of consciousness this is what makes me feel good right now or are you thinking about touring are you like this is going to be a fucking banger when i play I've this never, in space yeah i've never uh i've never wrote that way where i kind of thought for the stage um i definitely write yeah it's, it's stream of conscious uh it's consciousness and then it's it's kind of just like yeah it's just i write what i like i don't know you know i write what makes me feel good
I don't know if I, I would approach music the same way. I don't know if my music would sound the same way if I started writing, you know, for what it was going to be, you know, um, while it was, you know, being played live or while I was playing it live. Um, mm. It's an interesting, because that's, I think performing live has always been the difficult part of music for me. Obviously, I'm a bit shy and I'm still, you know, I think I, think I still am I totally, completely, 100% still learning how to do it um, the right way. Because, you know, there's a million different ways you can do it from, 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 from all, you know, all facets of, of, of the live show, the technology that you can, you know, different, oh, there's just a, you know, a gajillion ways to do it. And uh, mm-hmm. it's ever evolving and it's very expensive to, to do like a, a big production, you know, it's like, yeah crazy it's crazy how much that stuff costs and i don't know if people realize it you know <clears throat> but yeah i mean a lot of my stuff lately it's just my visuals and the music and uh so basically you know i, I sometimes create before the visual but most of the time it's after so I'll, you know before we go out on the road now i'll just you know you know get the uh projections all ready and uh, you know i'll just make clips for each song just you know, with the kind of my art animated and, uh, it's kind of just, you know, I just kind of try to convey what the music feels like through the imagery, I suppose. And, you know, I just, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's crazy. (laughs) Do you do all your album art? Are you the one that does? Yeah, it's great, dude. It's fantastic. And there's, and I, I knew you did because there's a sense of consistency, which is really good. Yeah, I always said, who knows what the sound looks like better than I do? I kind of... <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, you know, I like having the projects too. It's something to do, you know? Some, I, I do miss, like I said, I miss the advertising. I miss the deadlines. And I miss the, you know, putting stuff in, in, in the layouts for the printers and making it all the right colors and all that. You know, I miss the, the technical stuff going on. So, you know, I want you know, whenever there's uh, design stuff, I'm always, you know, it's like a huge part of music to me, you know? Well, it's, it's nice to hear that someone missed that stuff. Cause when you talk to me about it, it's like saying you, you miss being waterboarded. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, Oh God, yeah. right. All that. Cause you know, years of doing commercials and delivery and uh, it's stressful, you know, I'm still my own boss when I do it this, this time, you know, <laughs> so, time around, so I could be, I could take my time. Yeah. 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 I get it, man. I get it. So have you, um, a lot of your stuff is very cinematic and uh you know it feels like scores and movie scores have you ever wanted to get into that world have you ever wanted to do any scoring i've there's been we've had meetings and talks with certain places (laughs) and people and it's just nothing has really quite panned out yet i'm just you know i think to me i think uh that's a really difficult world to break through i think um, you know, just, there's so many shows on Netflix and stuff I've seen recently where I'm like, wow, the music is incredible. Like there's so many people out here making incredible, and it's always a different person, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like, there's so many incredible people just making music. And like, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, how do I get a chance? You know, it's like, it's really, I think it's tricky and, uh, it has, it just hasn't happened yet. And, you know, maybe the, maybe they, you know, the right project hasn't quite come along. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, you know, we're not actively like hardcore seeking it out, but, um, it's something I definitely would love to do. You know, it's, it's, you know, that would be huge for me. I think, uh, you know, it, like you said, I've, I've, I've always kind of <clears throat> a very visual person. So I think that just comes across in the music and, you know, it is a score basically. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a, my, all, most of my music was a score to a, a film that was never made, you know? So, <laughs> you know, I, I draw heavily from, from film scores and library music and, you know, just, 
you know, it's it's like the music that I want to write is kind of just uh, some sort of weird, you know, kind of additive to help you feel a certain emotion. It's, you know, like that's just, I think that's what music is in films. You know, it's, it's really just helps carry the mood. I feel like I like writing that kind of music. I want to just, I want to carry the mood and not necessarily have to tell you how to feel, you know, with, with words, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, just doing it with the you know, couple synthesizers. Dude, it's my favorite part of, of, of making movies and directing movies is collaborating with the music because I've, it, when I first started as a director working with composers, it was difficult because I always felt like I, I didn't, I was never trained on music, so I don't know how to convey like whether this is a bar or what this, you know, like technically it was always really yeah. difficult. And uh, I realized that I had to just sort of give into the emotion and really sort of talk about the emotional journey that I expected the audience to go on and that I was trying to create for the audience and then try to find this bond with someone like you who has all the technical skills, you know? And so yeah. it's it's this really fascinating marriage. The, the, the thing about movie making in general is that you know, you always hear it's a collaborative business, but essentially you're you're starting relationships. It's like having a bunch of girlfriends. Yeah. And so you're really trying to, you know, find the thing with a person that you're working with that you love. And then trying to figure out what you love about them and how that will work for the movie without saying to them like, hey, that thing that you did before, just do that fucking thing again because I really like it. You know, and it's like, it's this fascinating collaborative process that I've seen a lot of musicians try to get into. And I think a lot of musicians are used to writing on their own and sort of working in their own little space. And then you realize that coming into this world, and even if you're not a musician, even if you're an artist or you're you're someone that's doing concept work, it it's this weird collaboration and romance that has to blossom between a director and a composer to get like yeah. the best music, you know? Yeah, it's it's uh, even going in the studio because I yeah mostly work alone. I haven't really collaborated with all that many people, you know, in in the in the flesh, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I suppose digitally. Um, but yeah, even going into a studio just to write music with another artist is is tricky. You gotta. It's like you, know, you go in there. You never you never met before. It's like you gotta. It is. It's like a date. You know, it's a weird. It's a really weird date. I remember I did it when I lived in LA a couple of times, and I was like, "This is weird." I did, I just kind of felt it was awkward, and then finally, finally that smoke kind of clears, and you're like, "All right, well, you know, let's do it." You know, we'll get some lunch. You know, like you know, <laughs> sure. and, yeah, it was really it was kind of stressful at first, and then once you're like, once you kind of got a feel for each other, I think it, then it, it's definitely it's really hard to go in there cold and just be there. You know, the label's like, "All right, be creative." You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you walk in there, and you're like. Sure. You're like, show me yours and I'll show you mine. It's like this yeah, weird like, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But, but you know, then you hear these stories, right? You hear these stories of uh, like Trent Reznor, right? So the, the story is that, you know, David Fincher loved his track and his music for Seven. And he tried to convince Trent Reznor to compose for him and said, hey, you should score this whole fucking movie. And, mm -hmm. and Trent was like, I can't do that. I, I can't fucking do that shit. And, yeah. and then fast forward to like Mank and the yeah. fact that like that amazing score was made by Nine Inch Nails. And you're just like, holy shit. And I think it was just, he found that comfortability. And, you know, I think Finch, this is all spec, this is me speculating, but I think that Fincher found that thing that he loved about Trent and was just yeah. consistently like, just, just, him. 
Yeah, co- come hang out. Take your pants off. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? I, uh, yeah, I met with Atticus Ross when I lived in L.A. I went up to his house and we, we oh, sat cool. for a while about, you know, possibility of scores. And I think uh, my, my, my lawyer, his, his firm represented um, those guys at the time. So, you know, just a meeting kind of, you know, it was, but it was awesome to, to hang out, you know, and just go in the studio and, and just played a little bit of what he was working on. And, you know, it's like, it's crazy. Now they're, those guys are like killing it yeah. everywhere, yeah. you know, and, and their scores are oh, incredible. I, what's the the new one they did, uh, the animated, we just watched it a couple weeks back with the, Oh, I haven't seen it yet. The dog. Uh, oh man, they're they're not doing. It's not the the uh, it's not the animated series that they're doing, right? It's not the no. Movie. It's that movie. It just I think it came out last year. Um, oh man, but it was incredible to hear him do something like them do something like that. Wow, you know what I mean? Which which was you know it's you know there are dark parts of the film, but you know it, the lightest dark you could possibly go. But like it was really good. It blew me away. I was like, I remember having goosebumps sitting there on the couch watching it with with, with my girlfriend and her daughter. You know, it was just like it was it was awesome. You know, for me to to you know, and it's funny to sit there with other people and just be like, I you know, I I the guy who wrote this music is like was my first the first band I ever fell in love with. I, I had every Nine Inch Nails t-shirt, CD, <laughs> like I had, I used to beg to go to the mall. Like I got to get everything, stickers, you, you name it. I, I was like, still am a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. So, you know, it's just another way to enjoy their music in a totally different kind of, you know, uh, platform. So it's, yeah, I love what they're doing. Yeah. It's like you're pointing it out to the kid going, you know, he used to hang himself from the ceiling wrapped in VHS tape during his music yeah. videos. <laughs> you, know I mean? you ever hear of heroin chic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, he's the, they're the top of the, 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 the top of the chain right now. And, um, and there's so many really great electronic acts that have done amazing scores. You talk about like Daft Punk, doing the Tron score. You talk about like the dust brothers doing like the fight club score. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I love this. And even down to like the, uh, um, it follows score that was recent. There's yeah. so many really fantastic. Midsummer, uh, hex and cloak, I think did that. Yeah, man. So many, that's an incredible that. score. I, I remember I have, I have goosebumps right now thinking about that one scene and the, I know it was just heard the music and I was like, Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, man. That's the power of like fucking really great music yeah. and that yeah. and, and that marriage of music and visuals that if you do it really well, I mean, because as, as a visualist, I'm consistently trying to like choose the right blocking and the right lenses and the right colors and the, all this stuff to sort of stimulate an emotion that I may have felt in my life and that I want you as the audience to try to feel. But it isn't until music comes in. And it's 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 so it's so crazy to see how much music does it's 50 50 where yeah. like I, no matter how hard i fucking work on the visuals i can literally shoot a piece of piece of shit get flushed in the toilet and have the right score underneath it and you'll cry about it yeah <laughs> you know what yeah. i mean so it's like oh man <laughs> I, I love it dude I, it's it's one of the coolest parts of the collaborative process i think for filmmaking and, and hearing music come together and i love sitting in the studio while while musicians are just doodling and and uh you know, playing with synths and 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 just sitting there and just becoming entranced with it. It's always been incredibly romantic to me. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. Very crazy cool. process. Yeah. 
So um, let me ask you this other question, because I've, I've always wanted to know, you've done a lot of remixes, right? So you've been doing, yes. yeah. So how does that fucking process work? Does, it, does the label come to you and go, hey, well, you want to do a remix or do you approach artists? Like, how does that work? More often than not, it's the label reaching out to do it for, you know, for the most part, it's always been some of it I did, you know, I've done for friends. Um, so that was just, you know, kind of helping you out right, um, right. sort of situations. But yeah, for, uh, for anything that's, you know, for most of the stuff that's out there, it's been the label reaching out, you know, kind of, a, you know, we'll do a trade, you know, in some, some, some kind of fashion. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy doing it because, you know, remixes are for the most part, they're not all instrumental. Um, most of them have vocals. So for me, it's a way to play with vocals, you know, because I don't really do that um, <clears throat> very often, mm -hmm. at least in my own music. So yeah, it's a, you know, I really do enjoy doing the remixes. It's a, it, it it must be like this. It must be this weird process for you because you're you're essentially taking all the stems from other musicians, and you have sort of whoever you're working with. If it's like the weekend or whoever, and they mm -hmm. have like their own sense of sound, and then you're also bringing in your own sense of sound into it as well, right? Like, is it? Are you yeah. trying to make it feel like a Calm Trues remix, or are you just trying to do a remix that comes to you? Well, I, th I think for me, it's always been like, well, you know, I, I very, very rarely use much of the music that's given to me. I usually just, it's, I take the vocals and I just say, well, I'm going to write the song as if I produced it from the beginning. Uh -huh. that's you know what I mean? Like the yeah. vocals are here, we got the vocals and then like I try to, you know, I, I, but obviously doing a remix, you, you know, I like to tie it back. So the vocals are, you know, they're set to a melody. So you can't, <laughs> you got to write to that, you know, you know, got to write in that key and all that, you know, you can't really you can't stray away too far from it, but, um, yeah, I just, I just like to pretend that I'm the one in the studio that produced the original song, you know, and it's my, you know, I am the creator of the, you know, the original. So yeah, yeah. that's kind of how I look at it. And then, you know, for instrumental stuff like the, you know, I did the remix for the, the Tron score for Daft Punk there, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, it was all, they had a lot of orchestral uh, recordings in the, in there. So, basically took that i took the the overall melody of the song and then i took the orchestral parts and those were the things that i you know i used the i used the violins or you know uh, uh, as the as the vocal of that song you know so i you know no matter what this has got to fit and this is going to really this is going to be the thing that ties it back you know that's why instrumental remixes are i think are very difficult because <laughs> you can just go nuts with it really and they could be like how is this a remix it doesn't sound it, how do you, you know like how did you get from that to that you know <laughs> so i've heard remixes tons of remixes like that i'm like i don't even know where, what's the original song you know like what did you do you just wrote a different song and said remix on the end you know like <laughs> yeah. well i remember the first remix album that i was really exposed to when i was growing up was uh surprisingly was the white zombie super sexy swinging sounds oh, incredible record it's amazing and that's that uh, superphonic one right yeah and yeah, it's like it's that's crazy in headphones if you actually listen to it like that i don't think i appreciated it back then but now i'm like wow it's it's, it's like insane it's oh dude and then the the remixes were oftentimes better yeah. <laughs> you, oh yeah where you're listening to it and you're like man there's like this super like adult so well yeah and there's like this like weird vibes and very strange rhythms and yeah. and just taking his lyrics and sometimes slowing his lyrics down and like i i love that album it's a it's a fucking fantastic album who is i'm looking it up right now 
who was on there that was really awesome? The Dust Brothers were on there. Charlie, yeah. Charlie Klauser, Klauser. He was a bunch of the stuff on there. Yeah. I'm um, it's a great fucking for those of you listening who are you know white zombie fans and who aren't white zombie fans like you should totally check that one out super sexy swing yeah i was always a fan of white zombie as well yeah me, yep. t- me too dude like it, you know high school for me was like hanging out in the parking lot drinking a beer when i wasn't supposed yeah, yeah. to be listening to uh you know more human than human you know oh, i love that i still love that song i'll never not love that's a great that's a great song ah uh, that album was so fu- fucking phenomenal um it was and then, you know, his first uh, solo album, the Dragula album, that was a really fantastic album, too. I, yeah, that song in The Matrix, it was huge. Huge. Oh, yeah. And then, like, speaking of, like, The Matrix and all those electronic albums were fucking phenomenal. And then... Prodigy, yeah, all that. Oh, man. And I was just going deep into the ministry hole again yeah. recently. And, and wow. Ministry's got like two albums that I feel like are completely different for them. Uh, like Dark Side of the Spoon is one of my favorite albums they do, and uh, and uh, Filth Pig is another great one. And you know, over the years of doing music videos, I was fortunate enough to actually uh, meet Al and hang out with Al and hang out with uh, Burton from Fear Factory. Fear Factory put out oh, yeah. like, tons of really great remix albums and stuff. I used to listen to Fear Factory, yeah. Burton's like the coolest guy on the planet, by the way. He's a, awesome. a really cool fucking dude. Awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no, no. So I, thanks for answering my question on that because I've always wondered because you listen to these remix albums and you're like, this is just a whole nother fucking recording. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it, it, and then there's the cynical side of me knowing having worked with record labels long enough in my career that just going like, oh, that's just a great way for them to be like, yeah, how would you like to work out a trade? And then we'll have a whole new album yeah. that will jump out. To the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've heard the, the kind of the radio remixes they do, the, the remixes that make it to, you know, of, of pop songs that make it to the radio. It's basically... It's like the same song with a different beat, you know. It's just a little more upbeat. That's that's literally like every radio remix of a pop song. I think <laughs> ends up turning out that way. That's why, you know, I like the, I like this obviously the, the deeper cuts. You know, the, the the wacky remixes. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so then, do you use those skills when you play your stuff live? Like, cause you know, are you are you trying to make your stuff live sound different than it does on the album? Are you essentially trying to remix it for the audience? Or are you, or do you have yeah. like a, a system that you sort of play out every show the same? Um, you know, I never play the same set. You know, it's always different. It's never the same order, and it's never. You know, I just it's I constantly switch up the tracks, and it's just yeah. I I do. You know, I've always had this thing. I'm, you know, I really like studio recorded music. Um, mm-hmm. like. Live music for me was that I mean, growing up, I was never really, you know, I think from being into electronic music, like really, you know, early on for me, it was like, well, this, you know, would sound weird live with a crowd in the background screaming over it. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> I didn't really like that style of, I didn't like like live music, you know, for the longest, I didn't go to concerts growing up. I, you know, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York, central New York, really. And um, so I, when I do it live, I, I, I don't want it to be too different. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, certain, there's things people need, you know, certain parts of the song that they got to hear. So, you know, if you take that out, I've had people, you know, come up to me after and say, oh, man, you didn't play like any of the right songs. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I, I thought I played a good cross section of my catalog. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like there's things I don't want to change. And then yeah, it's like, how do you change it? just enough to where it feels different and do, you know, but you can do wacky stuff. Like, you know, I, uh, 
couple of years back in Chicago on Valentine's Day, I I did a, a like an edit of my Subsonic track, uh-huh. and um, I kind of made a little a little drop, a little, a little breakdown where uh, it was the soul to soul lyrics. I found the uh, the acapella of the however do you want me, you know, <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Added in there and people went nuts, you know, and it was just like a fun thing, you know. But some, so sometimes I mess around like that, but you know, it's never I don't know. Like I said, as well, I'm still trying to figure out how to do the live show exactly the way i want it's yeah it's it's uh it's an ever ever changing kind of project i think
just because you said it, it's, it's interesting to hear that you still feel a bit shy. Like, how many how many tours have you been on? How many years have you been touring? Um, well, this year is the tenth anniversary of Galactic Mount, so basically ten years. Wow, of, well, you know, wow, yeah, you know, nine years with not counting last year. But I mean, I I finished up a tour, I last year, and um, I got home, I think March. First, my birthday of last year, yeah, something like that, and then, you know, uh, a couple of weeks later, I think I was in uh, Seattle, like when they announced the first case was in America and stuff, and like, <clears throat> yeah. sure enough, I got coronavirus like way back in like uh, on the 13th of March or something like that. In here, I was probably like one of the first people in Florida to have it. <laughs> my friends came; they were in London, and then they played a show in Mexico. Then they came here to play a festival a uh, little little south of Orlando and we just met up for beers one night downtown we hung out for like 2 hours and then like 3 days later we were all like i was like you know i had a 104 fever for like Jesus. 5 days and like ice packs under my arm and you know i was like uh yeah so and then so i did tour last year i did a, just a dj tour but you know that's since then you know it's been nothing <laughs> yeah. a nice to go to her plan too for you know last year would have been fun to do but yeah we'll see if it you know i've seen a lot of people post about shows coming up and stuff you know stuff starting to happen again but you know i don't know if it's it's too premature to be doing that so we'll see i don't know yeah dude it's gonna happen man like yeah. they're, they're talking what are they saying that the um the what do they call it the herd um Immunity. Here at immunity is supposed to happen out here in Los Angeles in June. Yeah. You know? I got vaxxed to go. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm two weeks past my second shot. So, oh, dude, my second shot's next week. Go. What's up? Yeah. I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to travel. I'm just ready to see my folks, you know, to go upstate. <laughs> well, like, yeah. I, I'm just ready to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just move around a bit. Me too. Yeah. Me too, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> this long, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so you were saying that you got into you got into cooking for a bit, right? So yeah, what kind of stuff do you like cooking, man? You name it. Um, I really got I don't know. I got really into doing like uh, trying to do authentic yakitori. You know. Oh, I um, love fucking yakitori. Making all my own, you know, my my own tare sauce and like doing it, trying to do it the right way, and then just like, uh, yeah, I really I really, I really like grilling. But we, yeah, it's just it was just something to. I don't know. I just didn't feel like sitting on the computer, you know? And so I was just like, ah, I'd rather just stand in the kitchen and, you know. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, yeah. I mean, anybody that listens to the show knows that I love smoking and grilling and, and barbecuing. And <laughs> I haven't, like, I, I have a small yakitori grill that I haven't taken out of my, I, I used to use it back on, a, on the East Coast and I've traveled, I, I moved it out here with me and I haven't had a chance to take it out. Um, but I love, I love really great yakitori and like the, ability and the science behind using like these charcoals that are essentially just boiled so that there are no carcinogens in the charcoals themselves. And the only smoke you're getting is the smoke and flavor from whatever's dripping off the meats that's flavoring it at the same time. It's like, yeah, I've had some fun experiences with the Binchotan charcoal. (laughs) (laughs) It's just fucking expensive. (laughs) It's like crazy. I bought, I got, you know, I bought a little heat gun. Yeah. uh, it's crazy how hot that stuff gets. It's uh, I've definitely woken up, you know, with the uh, like blisters on my fingers <laughs> from just taking it and putting it out after I'm done cooking, and like I didn't even know it. It's like such a clean burn. It didn't even, you know, until until the next day. I was like, oh, I, I burned myself. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, I want, but that's it's incredible the flavor and, the, and it's just like it really, yeah, dude, it's amazing. And like, are you are you uh, a picky eater, or do you, does it matter to you? Do you get experimental? Because like, true yakitori goes 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 places. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not really picky. Like, there's not much I do. I don't really. I think you know when I was younger, definitely. <laughs> I think we all go through a little bit, but yeah, yeah. now I'm pretty much I'm, I'm open to anything i think also you know traveling as much as i have is is, has really i've been pretty lucky to eat just all kinds of amazing stuff like i've definitely i'm super lucky in that you know in the food department i just that was my favorite thing about touring just constantly everything was kind of based around food you know Mm -hmm. this place we're going here and then you know yeah it's funny where's your where's your favorite place on the planet to go eat It's a hard question. I know I can feel yeah, it. I, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some amazing meals in Australia, honestly. Oh, some, I've never some, been. Some stuff that some, uh, yeah, just like some incredible meat. And uh, yeah, that was, in, that was amazing. South Korea was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait to fucking travel again, man. Like it's. Yeah. Oh, I'm like. <sighs> I feel the same way because prior to this, before we moved out here to Los Angeles, like we would travel four or five times a year and like be going all over the place for work or for whatever. And, and, uh, you, you just sort of forget, you take it for fucking granted, you know, Yeah. where it's like, God damn it. And, you know, for, for me, you know, doing the barbecue tour, at least through the country, the barbecue tour around here and i've talked about it on barbecue episodes so for those of you listening shut up just deal with it i'm going to talk about it again um but you know my favorite places in the country to have barbecue actually you know austin's really great mm-hmm. but uh believe it or not my favorite barbecue that i've had in the country is in new york and that's uh, amazing and uh yeah and i love hometown i love hometown barbecue which is in red hook brooklyn nice and they're fucking amazing there and I, like i just I miss going around and having meals prepared for me by people that love to prepare meals for you. Yeah. And in a scenario, because even now, when if you, because we've gone out to a couple of uh, outdoor seating restaurants out here in Los Angeles, and yeah. you have someone dressed in a fucking hazmat outfit showing up with your plate, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. and you're like, "Is it poison?" <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. We've gone to some places recently around here because it's definitely a little more relaxed in Florida, obviously. <laughs> yeah, same time, but uh, you know, we 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 went out for for a, a friend's birthday. I think it was December. Uh, of uh yeah december of 2020 and like you know i'm the curmudgeon who's like i'm not you know i already had it once i don't want to get it again you know i'm like (laughs) of course you know you wear your mask but then you know you go inside and like you know even the social distancing you're still inside the the same building with other people breathing the same air you know what i mean and like then there's other people who are just like didn't even you didn't give a shit, you know, they were just like having the best time. And like, I was like, this is great. I don't even know how to feel. Like I felt, you know, it felt like taboo to be out, you know, it's like, it still does feel like that. Like we'll ride for coffee and, you know, we'll ride our bikes, get coffee and then we'll drink our coffee outside, standing by our bikes. And like, that just feels normal now. So like to go sit inside of a place and drink coffee to me would be weird. You know, like it's going to take a long time for, you know, to feel normal again. I think, you know, dude, it's funny to hear you say ride bikes. Cause 
that was one of the things that me and my girlfriend did during this, where she, where I hadn't ridden a bike since I was a teen, you know. Yeah. And, and she's like, "I'm gonna get a bike. You should get a bike." And I'm like, "No, nah, I'm not gonna get a bike." That's what you like, yeah. A couple of weeks later, uh, I went through the process of buying a bike during quarantine, which oh, yeah. I felt yeah. like was trying to like import in some strange animal yeah. <laughs> into the country. I had to, yeah. You know, I had to like pick mine up and like you couldn't go inside and they had to come out and you had to check it. And I was, you know, it was really weird. It wasn't like just going into the store and, or, you know, even having it delivered. Like it was crazy. It was a crazy process. Well, and dude, I think there was a period when I was ordering them where there was a lot of the parts on the bike uh, that were coming from China and we were yeah. having that trouble with China. And so yeah. <laughs> a lot of these bike shops out here were really sketchy. And yeah. they were just like, no, 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 we we can get that. We have that on back order. And I ordered a bike from this one shop. And I, I wish I remember their name because I'd fucking out you on the show. But they had, they're like, yeah, I don't know. We can order the bike that you want. And it'll take uh, four months to get here. So there's a four month waiting list. So you have to order it. I go, okay, fine. So I order this thing. A month, you know, three and a half rolls up. And I'm like, I'm just going to check with them. And so I call them on the phone. And I'm like, How's the order? How's it coming through? And they go, ah, bad news. The order is not going to come through. But good news is we're going to give you this other bike. And I'm like, I don't want that fucking bike. I told you I didn't want that bike three months ago. And like, yeah, but that's the bike you're going to get. I'm like, ah, <laughs> give me my fucking money back. Yeah. It was like this real scummy exchange that happened. And, and dude, luckily, I happened to go into the right place. And I, my, or my girlfriend called up the spot and I got the Trek bike that I always wanted. And I was like, yeah. fuck, yeah. Um, and since then I've been riding every week. I love yeah. it. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. It was, a. Uh, yeah, I, I drove uh, just, uh, you know, like an hour and a half to, to get mine because everything was sold out online. And like, there were so many shops there because everybody in their mother's brother was buying a bike during quarantine, <laughs> like everything was sold out. And then we went to get my girlfriend's bike and like, somehow she got super lucky the shop had her size and like but there there was like tons of people there like buying bikes i was like this is probably the busiest it's ever been for them you know what i mean yeah. like everybody was buying bikes and like yeah I, I picked up a trek a little uh uh when i get the uh i'm never gonna remember now i'm not gonna remember the numbers on mine either but it's really or sweet or something yeah but yeah it was uh yeah, we really enjoyed that. That kind of broke it up a bit. And we played a lot of games, you know, lots of cards over the whole thing and <laughs> board games and stuff. And that kind of, we, that faded out early on because yeah, like, yeah. so you can only play Monopoly like once a year. You know, <laughs> oh, dude, my, my girlfriend's so fucking competitive. And I'm like, it's just you and me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you and me. We're going to hate each other if we keep fucking doing this. <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, no, dude, the bike thing has been really good for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I, as a kid, I used to have a bunch of friends that had treks and I was like riding around on like my bullshit fucking bike that I saved money on. And, and so when I went out this time, I'm like, I'm getting a fucking trek. I want a bike that is like feather light that like goes super fast. And yeah. uh, I ended up getting one of the, I forget what they call it. It's like a hybrid. So it's like a hybrid between like a road bike and a mountain bike. That's yeah, that's awesome. And uh, it's fucking great, dude. I, I just rode this morning before we started talking. It's just nice. it's very comforting. You know, weird side effect of this virus is that <laughs> I am putting on a bike helmet and riding bikes during, yeah, during yeah. the week, you know. Yeah. But anyway, um, dude, this has been great. I should probably yeah. wrap this up because we've been talking for fucking, I can talk to you for another two hours. <laughs> uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, you sound like a really cool dude. Sounds like you and I would get along if we were hanging yeah. out in the same space. Definitely. I um, uh, love your music, man. Keep doing it. 
find a way to stay inspired. Do not go back and become another graphic artist. Don't give up on the music that we love so much. Yeah, I'm not ready yet, you know, but (laughs) just a thought, you know. But things are starting to, you know, lighten up a bit out there. So we'll see, you know, maybe maybe things will uh, turn around quicker than we all thought so well dude and then there's a there's a there's a buttload of directors and filmmakers and producers that listen to this podcast so we're putting it out there that you want to do some movie school work uh so it is it is out in the ethos awesome um dude seth thanks so much for being on the show my man thank you What do you think? Did you guys enjoy the Sonic journey through Calm Trues? Are you guys, how many of you, raise your hands, how many of you have subscribed to Calm Trues since you've been listening to the show? Second question, raise your hands, how many of you are filmmakers that are thinking about dropping him a message and asking if he'd potentially be interested in doing some uh, scoring for you? Because I guarantee it, you're going to see this guy scoring movies. You're going to see it happen. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed one of our music episodes. I really like doing these episodes because I get to really meet these folks that inspire me. And it's a good day when you meet someone like Seth and it turns out he's a good dude. Turns out him and I have a lot in common. Um, I like him. He's a cool guy. I really, Seth, if you're listening to the show... Uh, when you come to Los Angeles, let's get beers. Let's do fucking yakitori. I'm in. We'll do it here at the house. I'll get out my yakitori grill. We'll burn our hands. It'll be a blast. Um, thank you, everybody, for coming on this adventure with me. Hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes of the show. We've been hard at work putting these things together, setting up interviews. It is a bastard getting this stuff worked out. Seth and I have been talking for months uh, before we got the show in the can. So please, if you want to help support the show, if you want to show a little bit of love to me and Liam, um, please write to me on Instagram, write to the uh, podcast Instagram, that's in love with the process pod, in love with the process pod on Instagram. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. There, if you haven't done so already, you can support us by signing up for a free trial at Audible. I think it's audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. The link is in the description of the episode. If you haven't done so in another podcast, sign up for a free trial. Read one of the books that I've been talking about on multiple episodes, whether it's a book on sleeping. I'm, t- I'm reading another book on lucid dreaming right now. Uh, I am big into uh, Judith Weston's books and directing actors. Uh, I listen to hers on Audible. If you guys want to get into it, sign up for that free trial. You'll get a free book, 30 days free access to Audible. um, And uh, you're going to love it. And if you, for some reason, are like, look, I can't afford this. I got to drop out. It doesn't matter. We still get paid. Shh, don't tell Audible. I told you that. But we still get paid. Um, But you're going to want to stick around because, dude, I'm just listening to more and more books because of it. I love it. So like I said... Check it out. Sign up for a free trial on Audible now. Link is in our bio. Uh, and uh, that's it. I'm not going to draw this out. I'm going to leave you with another track from Calm Trues. 
Enjoy it. Uh, come back next Tuesday. We're going to have more great guests. We're working hard to get bigger and better people on the show. And please rate and review this episode on whatever podcast service you're using. It helps. Whenever I try to book these people, I talk to agents and management. They're like, how many people listen to your show? <laughs> so let's shut them up together. So rate, review, and follow. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>